So let's start the Dhamma talk with the Namotasa. <coughs> Namotasa Bhagavata Arahata Sama Sambodasa Namotasa Bhagavata Arahata Sama Sambodasa Namo Tassa Bhagavata Arahata Sama Sambodasa Today we have the second full day of our meditation retreat, practicing metta meditation uh, for the first week. And so tonight I will again talk about metta. Metta also as having a good heart. And then talk about metta, metta meditation, as part of the four Brahma Viharas. At one time, the Dalai Lama was asked what Buddhism, what his religion was all about. And the Dalai Dalai Lama's answer was, my religion is kindness. Kindness, or metta, is not something that pertains only to Buddhism or to any other religion. Kindness is a universal human quality that can be found all around the world, wherever there are human beings. And even animals are kind, show kindness to each other or to human beings. Through an Irish friend, I got to know two Irish Catholic nuns, Kathleen and Margaret. And for a number of years, they lived in the Philippines and they lived there in a Muslim village. And, you know, What they did was just living there in this village and being nice neighbors. So they would help the people, for example, to fill in a form or take somebody to the doctor or they would show them how to plant medicinal plants or they would teach the women how to sew dresses for the little girls on a sewing machine. So they lived there in this Muslim village for eight years and then they left going to a different place, to a different country. And the people in the village were very sad that these two nuns left. They said the two Catholic nuns helped them to become better Muslims. In Upper Burma, near Mandalay, 
there is a very famous monastery where hundreds of monks are learning the scriptures. And this monastery was established by the late Mahagandayan Sayadaw. He lived in the last century from 1900 to 1977. And one of my Burmese teachers, Sayadaw Oindaka, he studied at that monastery for many years. So this monastery is well known for its very strict discipline and also for the very high standard of learning. Mahagandayan Sayadaw was a very learned monk and he also had the gift to teach the Dhamma in plain and simple words to the lay people. So the monastic discipline, the Vinaya, the rules for the monks, is kept very strictly in this monastery. But then Mahagandayan Sayadaw set up a list with another 10 points to be followed by the monks and the novices. And the first and most important point of that list said to have a good heart. Other points of this list include, include for example, to keep one's body and one's environment clean or to be pure in speech. And only the last and the tenth point of this list is to learn and study well. So we should remember that this was a learning monastery. So I think it's quite significant that a learned monk like Mahagandayan Sayadaw stressed the importance of having a good heart so much giving it even more weight than passing all the exams. In regard to to have a good heart, he explained that we should act, speak and think with a good heart, always thinking of how to benefit ourselves and others and always trying to avoid any harm or injury to ourselves and others. If one's actions spring from a good heart, then they will be beneficial, then they will be wholesome. So today I will talk about metta and the metta meditation practice in a greater context and show its place within the Buddha's teaching. You probably know that in the Buddha's teaching there are basically two approaches to meditation. One approach is the so-called samatha bhavana which means tranquility meditation or concentration meditation. And the other approach is called vipassana bhavana, vipassana meditation or insight 
meditation. So the Samatha uh, meditation aims at establishing deep concentration. With that we can attain the jhanas, the absorptions. Vipassana meditation, however, aims at developing insight and understanding, wisdom, that kind of insight and wisdom that brings about full liberation, liberation from greed, hatred and delusion. For the practice of Samatha meditation, there are 40 objects that can be taken as the object for uh, tranquility meditation. I will just give you the list that you have an idea without going further into uh, explanations what they mean. So these 40 objects for Samatha meditation include the 10 kasinas, then 10 kinds of asuba meditations on the non-beauty of the Buddha, uh, of the body, then 10 reflections, 10 uh, meditations that are of a reflective type, then the four Brahma Viharas, and then the four, the four non-material states. And so whenever we engage in Samatha meditation, we choose one of these 40 objects. And then whatever object we have chosen, this becomes the focus of our meditation. So the nature of any kind of Samatha meditation is that we have only one object. And so we try to focus on this one object all the time. And if other objects arise, if the mind wanders, if we hear sounds, if we feel pain, we do not pay attention to anything else. We try to ignore these other things that uh, come up. You know, one um, well-known object for Samatha meditation is Anapanasati, where we keep the focus on the in and out breath. And so, in this case, it just would focus on the air going in and out at the tip of the nostril. So then that would be our focus. In, out, in, out, in, out. Just this much. So, when we do the Samatha meditation, focusing on this one uh, chosen object, then gradually the mind becomes more focused, uh, concentration develops and the more the mind is concentrated, the happier uh, do we feel. And the happiness that comes about through 
concentration meditation. Sometimes it can be quite ecstatic. At other times the happiness is more calm, more uh, peaceful. In any case, when the mind is deeply concentrated, it's a nice state. It's a pleasurable state. And in the scriptures, it is said, it's a peaceful abiding here and now. But this peaceful abiding here and now, this deeply concentrate, concentrated state of mind, can also become uh, an object uh, of attachment because it is so nice, because it is so calm, because one feels so happy or so peaceful, one can become attached to this nice, calm, peaceful state. So this can be a danger. Metta, metta meditation is one of the 40 objects for Samatha meditation and it belongs to the group of the four Brahma-viharas. And briefly said, these four Brahma-viharas are metta, which as you know, loving-kindness, unconditional love, friendliness or benevolence. And when we uh, cultivate metta, we take a phrase, a wish, which expresses our friendly, kind attitude. So a wish could be, may all beings be well, happy and peaceful. Or may all beings live at ease and in peace. The second Brahma Vihara is Karuna. This means compassion. And a phrase that we uh, <coughs> use for the Karuna meditation could be may all beings be free from suffering or may all beings be free from danger and enmity. The third Brahma Vihara is mudita, sympathetic joy. And a phrase to practice mudita could be something like, may all beings enjoy safety and abundance. Or it could be, may whatever happiness has been attained not be lost. Then the fourth Brahma Vihara is Upeka, that's equanimity. And a phrase for the practice of Upeka meditation could be all beings have karma as their true property. Or it could be things are as they are. So now, 
some more explanations to these four Brahma Viharas. Metta or loving kindness is the basic and general attitude with which we relate to other living beings. So this basic attitude of relating to others should be one of kindness, of friendliness or benevolence. Compassion, sympathetic joy and equanimity, they are more specific, but they all build on the basic foundation of having a kind disposition, <coughs> a kind attitude in all our actions of body, speech and thoughts as we relate to others. So compassion, karuna, this is metta which encounters suffering, pain or distress. It is said that when the heart, the mind encounters, encounters any form of suffering or pain, then it quivers. But compassion doesn't mean that we suffer with the other. Instead of suffering with the other person or being, compassion is to have this really sincere wish to relieve the suffering, to ease the suffering. And this is important to understand because compassion is not the painful mental condition in which we suffer with the other. On the contrary, compassion is a positive mental state. It's a wholesome mental state that is open to the suffering of the other, but it envisions an improvement of the condition, envisioning a relief of the suffering or uh, a weakening of the suffering. And so then compassion is a willingness to go out of one's way to help the other person, to help the other being. So compassion gives priority to helping others and as we help others as we help relieve uh, their suffering, joy arises, happiness arises. Then mudita or sympathetic joy, this is metta that encounters happiness or success or wealth or good health. So sympathetic joy is the ability to rejoice in the good fortune of others. Sympathetic joy is the ability to rejoice in the wealth of others. Mudita is the ability to rejoice in the success of our rival or it's the ability to rejoice in the happiness 
of our neighbor. Then the fourth Brahma Vihara, Upeka, is equanimity. And this is a bit different. It has like a different flavor. Equanimity is a balanced state of mind that is neither joyful and happy, nor is it distressed and sad. But equanimity does not mean indifference. Equanimity is always based on understanding. The understanding of things as they are, which includes the understanding of karma, volitional actions, and its results. That's why then a phrase that we can use for the practice of equanimity meditation is all beings have karma as their true property or things are as they are. So this is this equanimous attitude towards events happening in our life. Understanding that there are causes and conditions which cause a certain event to happen. The classical description found in the scriptures of these four qualities is the attitude a mother has for her four children. There is metta, loving-kindness for her baby. It's just her general wish for the um, well-being and happiness of her uh, baby. Then there is compassion for her six-year-old child who is sick. So compassion with the wish to relieve the suffering caused from the sickness. And then there is sympathetic joy for her teenager who is doing well at school. So the wish that her son will continue to have good marks. And lastly, there is equanimity for her grown-up child, who is an adult and lives her own life. So, allowing her daughter to live her own life, not interfering, so to have an equanimous attitude towards her daughter's life. Bhikkhu Analayo is a German monk who is a great scholar, but he is also a very dedicated meditator. And he uses the following analogy for these four Brahma-viharas. He says, Imagine that we are in a cold climate 
where the sun is experienced as something pleasant and positive. Metta is like the sun at midday, which shines its rays on all without making any kind of distinction. It gives, it gives warmth and light to all who are receptive to it. It's just there, radiating. Then he goes on to say, Compassion is like the same sun at sunset, when darkness is very close by. Compassion opens the heart to all the suffering, to all the darkness in the world. Even though darkness is very close by at the time of sunset, the sun shines all the more beautifully, coloring the whole sky and shining a warm light on everybody. We know how beautiful the sunlight at sunset can be. And then he says, sympathetic joy is like sunrise. It's early morning. The birds are singing. There is a dewdrop on the branch of a tree. The sun shines and it sparkles like a diamond in the light. Just so is the willingness to rejoice in the good fortune of others. An attitude that is totally removed from envy and jealousy. So with these three sun images, the sun at midday, the sun at sunset, and the sun at sunrise, we have images for the more outgoing qualities of the first three Brahma-viharas. And then Bhikkhu Analayo goes on to say, equanimity is more of a standing back. It is not looking away. It is not indifference. It is an open being there, a holding of the situation with awareness, but without moving towards others, without moving away from others just allowing them to do or to be just the way they are. In this sun simile, equanimity finds its counterpart in the full moon, which reflects the sunlight. It is the beautiful moonlight, the sky free from clouds. It also shines but not as brightly as the sun. It also gives some warmth, but not as strongly as the sun. It is a reflection of it. So these are Bhikkhu Analayos for analogies for the four Brahma Viharas. As I've said, Metta meditation is a samatha practice and the purpose of samatha meditation is to develop a calm, tranquil and deeply concentrated mind. And 
this deep concentration then can lead to the jhana, the absorption. One of the advantages of metta meditation as a samatha practice is the fact that we do not only develop concentration. On top of the concentration that we develop, we also cultivate and strengthen the quality of loving-kindness. Or, in the case of the other three Brahma-viharas, on top of the concentration, we also develop compassion or sympathetic joy or equanimity. So if we take an object for samatha meditation such as anapanasati or one of the ten kasinas, then we only develop concentration. Well, by doing so we can fully enjoy the benefits of deep concentration. No, that's not nothing. But with the practice of these four Brahma-viharas, we develop and strengthen qualities of the heart and mind which are so important in the whole process of purifying and beautifying our heart and mind. These four qualities of the Brahma-viharas, they are also so important in the whole process of developing understanding and wisdom. And they are also so important in the whole process of um, liberation. Some years ago, I was teaching here together with Venerable Viranyani, my American nun friend. We were teaching a two-week uh, retreat and we did one week of metta meditation and then one week of vipassana meditation. And basically all the meditators who um, participated in that retreat they had never done such an extensive practice of metta meditation. They had done, done some metta meditation, maybe an hour of metta uh, included in a vipassana uh, retreat. And so, having done one week of metta and then going to the vipassana practice, they were all really surprised how much the metta meditation helped and supported the vipassana practice. They realized how much it helped uh, to develop concentration, to calm the mind, to have the, make the mind clear and sharp, and then how it helped to deal with the different, no, with the difficult um, experiences coming up in the Vipassana meditation. So they also 
they noticed that through this one week of metta meditation, a big shift in the heart and their mind had happened. And they noticed that then when they were doing vipassana meditation, they were much kinder to themselves, kinder to the difficult experiences. They were less judgmental, less self-denigrating, and being much more at ease with the difficult or painful uh, experiences. There is another advantage of choosing metta as a samatha meditation object. As we know, the way to become fully liberated leads uh, via the way of wisdom and understanding. The practice of samatha meditation alone does not lead all the way to complete liberation. However, the samatha meditation can act as a very powerful springboard for liberation as it provides a very good base of one-pointedness or concentration. And a concentrated mind is free from the hindrances and when the mind is free from the hindrances it is clear and it is sharp. And this clarity and this sharpness of the mind proves to be a good base for clear insights to arise. Then things, experiences in the body and in the mind can be seen as they really are. And so in this way, insight, understanding and wisdom arises. So when we reach the jhanas or absorptions with the practice of samatha meditation, then this state is also called liberation of mind. But here we must uh, know that liberation of mind as a description for uh, a jhana, this does not refer to the full liberation that comes about through wisdom. So it's not, not the complete liberation from greed, hatred and delusion. So liberation of mind does not refer to an attainment of Nibbana. The term liberation of mind in the context of Samatha meditation refers to a mind liberated from the hindrances while being absorbed in the jhana. As I said, the jhana is a very deep state of concentration when the mind is completely absorbed in the object 
in the one object we have chosen for the Samatha practice. And so because it is completely absorbed in that object, the hindrances cannot enter that mind. So that's why then the mind in the jhana, in the absorption, is free from the hindrances. And so this state then is referred to as the liberation of mind, liberated from the hindrances. Now, with the practice of metta meditation, as a samatha practice, it's a bit different. And here, Bhikkhu Analayo points out that the liberation of mind can already be experienced with the metta practice even if one has not yet attained the metta jhana. So Bhikkhu Analayo says that if we are able to dwell with a heart and mind full of metta, really, uh, real, genuine metta, then this experience can be called liberation of mind. It is called liberation of mind because at that moment when there is genuine metta, so at that moment there is no dosa present in the mind. There is no loba present in the mind. Which means when the mind dwells in a pure state of metta, then there is no form of dosa, no anger, no ill will, no hatred, no enmity present in the mind. And there is also no loba present in the mind. No craving, no wanting, no desire, no attachment whatsoever. So with the practice of metta meditation, when we when the metta becomes so strong that it's just this um, genuine uh, quality of metta present in the mind, then this can be called the liberation of mind. And so in the metta practice, this can even happen before one attains the jhana through the metta practice. So even, even though this liberation of mind does not take place at the jhana level, it's already what we could call heaven on earth. It's as if we are in heaven. It's like dwelling, like the Brahmas. That's why it's also called a divine state, or the Brahma Viharas, dwelling like the Brahmas. So fully emerged in uh, genuine metta, then the heart simply rests in this beautiful, in this wholesome, in this positive attitude of the heart and mind. And this is really a very 
beautiful and very powerful attitude that radiates kindness in all the directions without excluding any living being. And this is something we are all able to do, given we engage in the practice. So this level of attainment, if even if we can call it an attainment, this is much easier to reach than absorption or the jhana. And especially for those who are under the stress of having to quote-unquote attain something, you know, attaining the jhanas, for example, this can help to ease their mind. Of course, the practice itself, if one just continues to do it, eventually leads to this very deep concentration. It leads to absorption or to jhana. It's not that we are leaving it aside, but, you know, without um, getting stressed that we have to attain the jhana, it's a much easier way into it. It's a much, or it's a less stressful way uh, into it. Because it cannot be stressed enough that we need to be relaxed in our practice, be relaxed in our samatha meditation practice, be relaxed in our vipassana meditation practice. It's only with a relaxed uh, mind that that we. Um, that the mind is pliable and that it is willing to uh, to do the work. Because if we exert too much effort, then usually the body, also the mind, they become tight or stiff and rigid. And with a tight, rigid, stiff body and mind, we do not get very far. Then we struggle or we fight. Fight with the practice, we fight with ourselves. And this in turn makes us even more tight, more uh, rigid. And on top of that, there is all the disappointment, the frustration, the aversion, and all the other on unwholesome states of mind which can arise. So as we have seen and come to understand through our metta meditation practice, the practice of metta has the capacity to open up our heart. And when our heart is open, we can live with this benevolent, kind attitude towards all beings. The practice of metta is like 
a Metta Moisturizer, which makes our heart gentle and soft, kind and loving, friendly and caring. And all these different qualities are very helpful in our lives. They're also a great, of great help in our day-to-day -day life, especially when we are dealing with other people, with other living beings. And of course, these qualities, they are also a very great help and support in our meditation practice. On the one hand, with this quality of metta firmly established in our heart and mind, then we can deal with difficult experiences more skillfully. And on the other hand, the practice of metta can serve as a powerful foundation for the practice of vipassana meditation. Sayadaw Oindaka, one of my Burmese meditation teachers, he had written a book on the practice of metta meditation. And it's actually a book um, about the metta meditation as a foundation for the vipassana meditation practice. <coughs> <clears throat> I have translated this book from Burmese into English and also into German but unfortunately it's out of print <laughs> or there was just a certain number of books uh, printed with Dana but now all the books are gone <laughs> it has also been translated into Czech language and even into Russian. <laughs> we had one Russian meditator who came to the Metta retreat in Burma a couple of years ago or three years ago and she asked if she could translate this book in Russian. So maybe there are some Russian copies around. <laughs> <laughs> so whether we call it Metta or whether we call it to have a good heart, the important thing is to embody this quality. The important thing is to fully live it day in and day out. So to end this talk, <coughs> I want to mention the example of a man who had a really good heart. He was one of the prisoners, a group of prisoners, who were waiting in a room before they had to appear in court. And a security guard stood outside of the room and there was a little um, window in the door so that one could see outside or the guard could see <coughs> inside. 
uh, their own. And one of the prisoners, just happening to look through the little window, he saw how the guard standing in front of the door fell down on the ground. Seeing him falling down, um, he started to shout to get somebody uh, to come and see what had happened to this man. But it wasn't heard. And so he tried to forcefully open the door. Some other prisoners were helping him. And they actually managed to, to forcefully open the door. And this man who took the initiative to open the door later said, we left our room although we knew how dangerous it was. Some of the other prisoners were afraid that the police would come and shoot us. But for me, it was just common sense to help this guard. It didn't matter that he had Sorry, it didn't matter that he was wearing a uniform and a weapon. He's a good person. And then finally, three policemen arrived. And first of all, yes, they actually thought that the prisoners wanted to escape and that they had knocked down the security guard. But then, in the end, everything was clarified and the guard uh, soon recovered from his loss of consciousness. So, enough for today. May we all continue with our practice of metta meditation and experience the liberation of mind. And may we all live with a good heart, always. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.